You're listening to a provocation from the 2013 World's Literature Festival. Writers from across the world gather to discuss the art and craft of writing. This year's salon is on the theme of ways of reading and ways of writing. So we thought the uh, title was New Ways of Writing, New Ways of Reading. It turns out it's even more vague than that. <laughs> ways of writing, ways of reading. But uh, with that in mind, we sort of went with a technological bent. So we might be sort of carrying on from Ruth's um, subject as well as, as well as ourselves. And we'll be talking about a gentleman named Han Han who you may have seen on the cover of Time magazine. Um, by some metrics, clicks, likes, reaches, probably the most popular internet figure ever based on just how many people have read his writing and the, and the impact that he's had. So, I'm going to turn it over to my esteemed colleague, who will tell you a little bit more about it. Okay, just now, uh, Eric mentioned that uh, Hong Kong is a gentleman, actually, in China, many people are happy uh, as a liar and a uh, bastard. <laughs> but many people uh, think he's very cool. So, uh, let me uh, introduce briefly about him. Uh, he's quite uh, typical in the uh, new uh, generation. Uh, in China, uh, post-80 is uh, a very special term which refers to the first generation who were born after 1980, <coughs> when the Chinese government began to take the single-child policy to control the huge uh, population. And uh, Zhang Yuan, among others, is also uh, one of that generation. And uh, since then, every family can only have one child, especially in cities. And uh, um, <clears throat> when the first young people of this post asian generation became adults in the late 1990s, China was also embracing the internet way. A lot of internet startup companies prospered with all kinds of services. Uh, actually, a lot of uh, uh, capital ventures from, from abroad, especially from the United States, came to China at that time. And so from the very beginning, the post-Asian generation was greatly influenced by the internet. Suddenly they found that the internet could be a platform to express themselves more freely. They upload their writings to share, communicate with each other in, in different internet communities, and their works were taught, marketed, and spread on the internet. And one of the most famous and controversial uh, writers in this generation is a typical uh, example. He got famous in high school in, 1990, uh, in 1999 when he won the first prize of a writing competition for teenagers. But he cannot pass uh, many course examinations in the high school because he was just good at writing, nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> after, he, uh, after his debut novel was published as a time and a big became an instant bestseller. He just quit his uh, high school. And he refused an offer for further education from Fudan University in Xiaohai, one of the most prestigious universities in China, and became a car race driver. And although he continued writing, that made him a super cool star among teenagers. Then, uh, in 2003 to and, uh, 2008, blog became the popular self-media in China. Uh, for Han Han, after writing a few best-selling novels, he also turned to be a blogger. 
He used to uh, he used his blog to state his opinions on social problems and criticize the government on many issues in a sharp, humorous, or satire satire way. Most of his articles on blog were widely spread and talked. And uh, some of them were deleted by the internet, com internet company under the pressure from the government. Online blogs lead the young generation to pay more attention to the social problems outside of their personal lives. In 2010, he announced that he would publish a new magazine called uh, The Party. As you know, The Party in China just refers to the Communist Party. And he, he, he and he, his team uh, were looking for some contributors from the internet. And in a very short time, they got more than 10,000 articles from, from, this, uh, from, from all sides. And the first issue was published in 2011 and sold more than 1 million copies. Then it was banned. Uh, after that, Haha and his team began to make a new project called One. They noticed the rise of microblog or Weibo to Chinese Twitter. Uh, at that time, uh, just in the past uh, five years, people tend to write on Weibo or microblog to express their opinions, which is more quickly and wider. And Haha's one project caters to this area. Of Weibo. Their slogan is one is all. They, just, uh, they set up a web website with a, a commercial dot com giant and uh, develop an APP for mobile phones and iPad. They just one image, illustration or photography, one one quotation, one article, fiction or non fiction, and one question and answer uh, every day. They claim that in the future, the younger generation will only read on e-media, and they call this younger generation e-babies. So, yeah. Thank you. All right, so the, re the reason that we're um, sort of highlighting the, the Han Han's career, uh, the thing that we wanted to, to draw out of that is the way that technology, particularly the medium, uh, the form of this, of this guy's writing, has changed over the years, and, and I think has had a direct influence on on the writing itself and on its social effects. So he started out, he really came to prominence with long, traditional, traditional long-form novels, um, written when he was very young, uh, written sort of as, uh, as a call to arms to China's youth, they were kind of the catcher in the rye of China. Um, they were books, they were the first time that a young person was talking to other young people and, and teaching them how to be rebellious, in a way. And so these, these were long stories about rebellious teenagers and, 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 and the readers can sort of see, okay, this is how you talk, and this is what you say to your parents, and this is how you dress, and this is how you fight back against your student, against your teacher. And so he was, he was using this long form to give um, China's young generation really a blueprint for, for rebelliousness, um, kind of empty rebelliousness, but still it's an attitude that's been instilled in China's post 80s uh, generation, and it's really changed the face of Chinese society. And so from there, from the traditional long form novel, media, he went on to the internet, uh, to blogging, and as Peng Lin said, he's, he sort of turned his attention to current events, uh, corruption, government hypocrisy, and once again, 
he sort of gave the country a, a new way of looking at their own government, a new way of responding to what was going on in their country. He really <coughs> was the one who brought irony into the, into the public discourse uh, for China, which was an, an enormous thing, like the least ironic country in the entire world. Any, I mean, communist places are generally tend to be short on humor in China, which is, <laughs> so he was, and he really gave, he, he gave people a vocabulary. And, there, and, uh, and in those cases, blog posts obviously are not a novel, but he had this blog for many years. Uh, and so there was that, still that cumulative effect, that weight of many words over a long period of time, because these were ideas and attitudes that were something very, very new to Chinese society. And they took time to absorb. Uh, they took time to sort of percolate into the public consciousness and then to be replicated in, in other places, in other voices, uh, in other media. From there on to Weibo, the Twitter of China. He was never very good on Weibo. Um, I, and I think largely because Weibo, there's not, just not much you can say on Weibo. There's not much you can say on Twitter either. This is a publication. Uh, <laughs> short pieces of information, links to other things, uh, little bits that sort of, it, turn people away from longer thoughts, deeper thoughts, expository thoughts, to sort of value judgments or reactions to things. Um, at least that's the way it's, it's largely used in China. And then for a moment, we all thought that he was going back to the longer form, to the paper form, to the longer uh, space where ideas could be developed, this, this magazine, The Party, which only had one issue, one sad, short um, issue, before it was banned by the government. And once, so once that, and it, for a while it looked like it was going to be a return to his social influence. It was going to be something where, where, where ideas were developed, um, social commentary was, was brought out, people could respond. It was going to be sort of a forum for, for social thought. Uh, and then it went away, right, right away, very away, completely away. Um, and what came after that was this, this thing, one, which is all on the internet. And it's sort of, I think, a culmination of this trend of, of how technology has changed the way people speak, at least in China, and I would argue elsewhere as well. A culmination of that, of the fragmentary, uh, the, the daily update that has nothing to do with yesterday's update. Uh, the image that people open up, look at, say, ah, that's nice, and it's closed. Uh, every day it's, a, it's, a, it's an image, question, and, a, and an essay. And the essay. The essay can be fiction, it can be non-fiction. But each one is disconnected from the other. Uh, and in each one, there's not very much of an opportunity for people to respond to the ideas uh, presented in those, in those writings. And there's no chance for things to gather momentum. Uh, there's, no, there's no sort of long-term build-up. So, <clears throat> so the, the argument that I want to sort of produce out of, this, out of this trajectory, out of this trend, is that there are some ideas, either intellectual or artistic, which can only be had over the course of a very long period of time. And maybe that's, maybe that's six months, maybe that's enough, but maybe it's five years, maybe it's 10 years. Ideas that percolate in an individual mind, gestate and grow, uh, and can only really be had through the sustained consideration of a single idea, whether this is a novel or, or you know, a work of political um, reportage, or it's a you know, call to arms or something like that. And once these ideas are had, they often can only be expressed in a, a long form. Maybe it's to a 250-page novel. Uh, there are ideas that simply cannot be expressed in a short form. And if they're going to be got across to the readers, the readers need to sit down and be able to spend time with these things. To sit and absorb and digest 
and let things take root. Uh, and maybe it's a novel that has a rhythm in it that's so slow that you can only really perceive it uh, if you don't actually think about very much else for the few weeks that you're reading this book. You know, there's something the rise and fall of the narrative is so slow that it's only perceptible to somebody who's sitting there and staring at it. And then, if we're talking about sort of social ideas, there are many social ideas which will only take root, which will only be discussed, rebutted, adapted, developed, uh, and matured if people have a forum in, in which they can spend time uh, on these ideas. So in all, in all these things, the, the, the point I'm trying to make is that what technology has done is it has reduced our time, the time that we have to think. It has reduced the space in which we have to express our ideas, and it's reduced the it, it's reduced the forums that we have for discussion and increased the pace and the rhythm of those forums to the point where we just don't really have time to consider anything uh, at great length. So John a couple of days ago said, uh, do we feel there's anything we need to defend from technology? Do we feel that there's anything that might actually be lost? And everyone says technology, new wine in an old bottle, it's the same stuff as yesterday, it just goes faster. Uh, but I would argue that there are certain rhythms that are biological, that are intrinsic, to people, to our, our physical selves, and that while our environment may be going faster, there are certain things that we simply can't speed up. Physically impossible for us to speed up the process of thought, the process of maturation, and certain sort of emotional tectonic movements. And that these things, uh, th these things could be lost. Uh, if we don't have the space to think, the time to think, and the space to express, there are certain ideas and apprehensions that we simply won't have. And there are certain works of art that we simply will not make. Um, so our provocation is, you know, given that all this has been exaggerated for effect, please, please argue. And also a question, is there anything that technology could do to slow us down? <laughs>